No, you're okay. good. You're fine. I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> All right, cool. So, uh, what were your words? What? Yeah. Well, it's hard for V. Yeah, V is hard. I can tell. So I just put very nice. That works. But I got very sweet back. <laughs> you just vary everything. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, who else was I wondering about? I was wondering. I was wondering about you, Belinda. What did you get? Beauty, bestie, and blissful. Isn't that a fun little activity? It kind of kind of challenging. It'll get your brain working. Like, how can I only think of one M word right now? You know. <laughs> yeah. You know that's a fun game. Uh, what we did earlier to open up the service was we wrote down a word on a piece of paper to describe ourselves that started with the first letter of our name. So, Cliff, you could be, you know, courageous, all right? She just shook her head. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's courageous. She's sitting right next to you. <laughs> and then we had somebody else do the same thing for us, right? And we did the same thing for somebody else, right? So, Tommy, what were yours? Oh, Tommy's truthful. That was it. <laughs> He's just flat-out honesty right there. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> This is a fun, really, a really fun little game you can do at home with your kids and with your spouse. Just, just for fun every now and then. I, I, uh, I dare you to just, at random, play that little game and give somebody a nice, encouraging word that starts with the first letter of their name. It'll be fun. Okay, why are we discussing identity in a family workshop? They seem like two completely different discussions, don't they? A lot of times... You know, we want to help all the families in our church really function well and have good, you know, uh, healthy cultures at home where people are free to, to just live and grow. Uh, and most of the time, the things that ruin that culture, you know, are things like money or schedules or, or uh, um, you know, disorder, right? Just a bunch of clutter around the house and then everybody's frustrated and then nobody's getting along. Or maybe somebody's dreams are going stagnant and then, then they're not taking care of their household you know, responsibilities. There's all these sort of things that can, that can ruin the culture in a home. And I, I want us to realize that all of those things are sort of, metaphorically speaking, those are just like wind on the ocean, all right? They can, they can ruin things. Look, the wind can make massive waves that sink ships. Uh, but today we want to talk about blinking lights. What is going on with these? They just do that all the time, right? Yeah. Now, today we want to talk about something deeper. We want to talk about the currents, okay? The wind, it's going to come, and it's going to make things hard, and it's going to challenge the culture in your home, and you're going to have to come up with creative ways to solve those problems. Uh, But what we really want to go through today in this workshop is what's below the surface. Let's talk about the currents. So fundamentally speaking, a family is a little network of your closest relationships, right? That's what a family is. It's not always blood relatives, right? Family is just the little network of your closest relationships. And fundamentally speaking, a relationship is a person-to-person proposition. It's about you and me. I am who I am, you are who you are, and we're connected. And that connection between two identities 
is relationship. So at the core of everything that happens in our house is this simple question of who am I and who are they? And if we can understand who I am and who they are, then we can work through any kind of problem that comes up. Does that make sense? So we want to really focus today on identity. So when you walk away, you just have this understanding of, of your house. You know the blueprint. I remember when, I, when we first bought our house, man, I was so anxious to get up into the attic because I wanted to know the entire house. I want to know how the beams are angled. I want to know how this thing's... Where, where are the weight-bearing walls? You know, when you're living somewhere, you want to know everything, right? When you get into your first apartment, what's the first thing you do? You go open every door. I'm checking out every door, right? The cabinets in the kitchen, we're looking under all of them. How's the garbage disposal working? In your family, it's the same way. You're going to want to know every little bit about all of the identities in your home. That way, when something starts to break and fall apart, you know how to fix it. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, so we're going to have some fun. We're going to do some identity lessons. We're going to have some activities. We're going to do some stuff today. And I think you're going to walk away smiling, hopefully, <laughs> and empowered, which is more important. So uh, our today's bottom line, understanding your own identity and the identities of your spouse and children is crucial to a cooperative, flourishing, happy culture. Okay? All right, some things to realize about identity. And then we'll jump into another activity. And this one will require everybody to get up. So <laughs> if anybody was comfortable in their chair, don't get too comfortable. You're going to have to walk around. All right. Some things to realize about identity. We've got five things. I'm just going to list them out, and then we'll go into a little bit deeper on each one. If you want to write these down, if you want to take any notes today, look, we've got all kinds of note cards up here and lots of pens too. Like whose favorite color is this like neon, neon like yellowish color? Does does anybody, you like this color? This is your pen. Um, There you go. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so some things to realize, uh, realize, Realize. I gotta talk clearly. Some things to realize about identity. Number one, everyone is different and unique. Number two, we are all unfinished, finished projects. Number three, God is not a solo artist. Number four, home life and identity are tied together. And number five, identity is a collection. All right, so those are the five, and some of those are probably a little bit like, well, what does that mean? Uh, so let's talk about them. Number one, everyone is different. So one time, um, this was before uh, I knew Belinda, before I think I was even going to the church with Jared. This was a long time ago in my early 20s. I had an identity crisis. How many people had an identity crisis in their early 20s? <laughs> right <laughs> I, w- I remember the day it was it was like yesterday i was sitting at the computer at 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 my workplace and i was just thinking who am i like who am i and i was broken it was an identity crisis i had no idea who i was who i was supposed to be what i was supposed to do with my life so i turned to google for help <laughs> and google gave me a long list of verses about my identity in Christ. And that didn't help me at all. (laughs) 
they were all true, and it was really good, right? I mean, look, it's the Bible. Um, but why didn't that help me? Why didn't it help me, if I'm in the middle of an identity crisis, wondering who I am, to find a bunch of verses about uh, uh, all of our identities in Christ? Well, it didn't help because identity means you're something different than the person next to you, different than the person on the other side of you, right? We are all unique. We are all different people. And so to find like a universal answer of who, who are you, well, by definition, it's not going to be helpful because it applies to everyone. So then how do you get through an identity, an identity crisis? How do you work through that? Um, you got to figure it out. Life is all about finding out who we are. We'll get to this in a second even more. But our entire life is on, in an identity crisis. From the day we're born to the day we die, we're changing. We're growing. We're becoming a new person. This is a rude awakening after you get married and you realize that the person you married is not there anymore. And now they're a different person, right? And they're somewhat the same. And they're, they still have the same smile that you fell in love with. But they have different prerogatives. They have different abilities, right? We're always changing. We're always in flux. And so, you know, everybody has an identity crisis in their early 20s. How many of you guys think you'll go through an identity crisis in midlife? <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> What's that? That's called the midlife crisis. Exactly. You know? And then, and then close to retirement, it happens again. Yeah? You start wondering, man, what am I going to do if I don't have my career? My career is over. Do I have value? It happens. This happens all through life. So my advice, don't turn to Google for answers. Just maintain a healthy relationship with God and you'll figure it out. All right. Number two, we are unfinished, finished projects. So God is our maker, right? And he formed us in our mother's womb. And his definition of who we are was 100% complete right there. He did it and it was done. And then we're born, and we get to spend the rest of our life trying to figure out what that definition was. He formed us in our mother's womb, but it was more than just a set of characteristics. Uh, it, was, it was something different. So we have all these events in our lives that kind of form our character. And we don't always get to have a say in what those events are. And God is not always like wanting these things to happen to us whenever they come in and, and they start to form and, and shape our identity. They're not even His will all of the time. But we still go through them. The good thing is that He knows exactly how things turn out in the end. And we can take, we can take rest in that, okay? Um... God is not a solo artist. Number three, God is not a solo artist. He doesn't do all of it himself. We have a say in who we become. We get a, we get a say. The Bible says that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. But is he the middle? 
God says, or the, the Bible says that God is the beginning and the end of time, the Alpha and the Omega. But then this middle area, he kind of gives control. That's kind of a scary proposition because we all know how reckless we are. <laughs> but he gives us a say. And he allows us free will as we go through our days to take this definition that he created in our mother's womb and to see if we can live it out. And we have a responsibility and we're held accountable for how well do we live out our identity, our God-given identity. Or do we discard our God-given identity and try to be someone we're not? That's not a good way to live. We're also responsible for helping the people around us, being a positive influence on them so that they can find and live out their God-given identities, right? Look, God is not a solo artist. He likes collaboration, and he wants to collaborate with you on your identity. He's got a really good idea, guys. He put together a perfect plan. When he created you in your mother's womb, you are a perfect, perfect plan. We're going to talk about that later. But you've got to live it out, and you've got to be that person, all right? All right, so these are pretty basic things, um, but they're going to be important later on, especially the, the first one, the we are all different. That's like the most basic and elementary thing, like, duh, man. I had a lot of faces <laughs> when I talked about that looking at me like, you serious? That's what I came here for today? <laughs> I already knew that. It's really important because, look, this is what happens and I'll give you a little teaser into what we're talking about later. A lot of times what happens is a parent seems to think that the kid is going to be like them. And sometimes the kid tends to think that they're going to be like the parent, right? Like father, like son. <laughs> I noticed the other day I'm in Target with my son, and we're both walking down the aisle, and we both put our hands in our pockets the exact same way. And I'm just looking down, and I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> No, we are all different. Your kids are going to be different from you. And, and you just need to understand that, that as they're growing, you can't try to form them into what you're so familiar with. Okay? All right. Number four, home life and identity are tied together. We've touched on this a little bit. They seem like entirely different conversations. Uh, but they're not. Because your, the happiness in your home is dependent upon how well do you know yourself and how well do you know the people you're living with. That's 100% that's going to affect your ability to work through problems. Um, secondly, as you're going through this journey of trying to find yourself, right, through life, your identity is changing and you're, okay, who am I? Who am I going to be? What role do I need to play? It's really, really, really helpful. I mean, almost, almost vital to have a family there that has unconditional love so that you have the freedom to explore some wrong paths, if you're ever going to find out who you are, that includes finding out who you're not. And you need that forgiveness that comes from un unconditional love. You know? So you have to have family in order to find your true identity. And you have to know your identity in order to have a happy family. Are we seeing the kind of mutual dependency going on? These two things are tied together so tightly. This is why family is so important uh, to church to our relationship with God, to our calling. Family is important to everything. There's a reason why we put it as a foundational element. You've got to have it in place. It's got to be healthy or else everything else gets messed up. Something as simple as knowing who you are gets messed up if you don't have family. All right? All right, number five, identity is a collection. 
Ultimately, our identity isn't about who we are in any single moment of time. Like, Cliff, you're a man right now. You are who you are right now. Okay? You can look at your past and say, I'm not that person anymore from the past. But here's the deal. I can't look at your past and say, I'm not that person anymore. Only you can say you're not the person you're not anymore. That's kind of confusing. I'm kind of making a mess of it. Your past has created who you are now. And who you are now is creating who you're going to be later. No one else can claim your past. You're the only one who can claim it. I'm the only one who can claim my past. Did anyone else in here go to high school in New Mexico? Good for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, everyone else here can read. I'm, I'm left out. <laughs> uh, are we understanding that? At the end of our life, when we're on our deathbed, right, and we're going to sleep with all of our family around us, it's the, it's the perfect way to go, right? And somebody asks us, who are you? We will not point in a mirror and show them our wrinkly old face. We will point to the lifetime of experiences and roles we played. We'll point to the entire collection and say, that's who I was. I was, I was the one who did that. I was the one who saw that. I was the one who felt that. I was the one who built that for the Lord. That's who I was. Our identity is a collection, okay? So we have to understand that in marriage. That's an important concept to understand. You did not marry a person that was a finished product. You married a person that will not be a finished project until they reach the end of their days. Okay? We have to realize that as we're parenting. We do not get to create our kids' identity. We'll get more into this in a little bit. We only get to create the start of it. And even that, we're not really creating it. We're just uncovering it. Because God created. He is the starter of our, of our identity. He's the finisher. And we get some say in the middle. But ultimately, your identity, you don't know who you are in completion right now. None of us do. None of us do. We're still learning. So whenever you come into an identity crisis, or maybe somebody in your household comes into an identity crisis, which is always a bit more stressful, isn't it? <laughs> like, I can go through my own identity crisis. I can handle that. But when the person I depend on is going through a crisis, whoo, that's hard. Belinda's about as stable as they come, so... <laughs> When somebody is going through one of these crises, we can understand, yes, they're just, they're just expanding the collection. And I'm going to be with them. I'm going to be their rock right now as they expand their collection and they grow into a bigger person. Okay? It gives us patience when we understand the bigger picture. Right? Okay, so those are the five things we really have to understand about identity if we're going to make the most use of it. Okay, I'll go through them one more time. Number one, everyone is different. Number two, we are all unfinished, finished projects. These are starting to make sense now, now that we've talked about them, right? Number three, God is not a solo artist. Number four, home life and identity are tied together. And number five, our identity is a collection, a collection of identities, okay? All right, let's do another activity. That's enough of me talking. But before we do an activity, I just want to open it up to any questions or comments. Is this confusing in any way or is anybody got something in their head thinking well that doesn't fit you know i you know if there's anything let's talk let's talk about it all right
Okay, we're going to move on to the next activity. So if you do not have any note cards, you want to come up here and get some or pretty pens. Okay, on these note cards, you're going to write down two to three different identities that you've embodied in your lifetime. Your identities. And then you're also going to do it for any family members not in the room. So Matt and I will do it for our children since they're not in here. Okay. You're going to write on, on a different note card, you're going to write two to three identities that you embodied throughout your lifetime. So like Matt put some examples that he had Christian family man for who he is now deep thinking loner for when he, before he was married an extracurricular overachiever for when he was in high school. So those are like identities of who he was or is. Yeah, they go on. Yeah. So let's write these down first, and then I'll give you the next step for them. So two to three, two, identities of who you are or were.
Okay, we do have three, uh, uh, Ron, Jill, and Larry, you guys are here uh, just by yourselves today. So if y'all want to hook up whenever we do the second part of this, and just kind of, you can just talk about what's on your cards, what you've written down, and um, just have a, you can just have a conversation so you don't have to, you know, try to guess. Obviously, like, you know, uh, okay, never mind. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> okay, does everybody have their bag full? Okay. Okay, we're gonna, you're going to partner up with another family, and y'all are going to exchange bags, and you're going to pull them out, and you're going to try and figure out who in that family has that characteristic. So let's say if I go, if Bat and I go to Jared and Mandy's, we look at the cards, and we try to figure out who in that family has that identity. Is that clear? Do we have any questions? Well, then don't partner up with us. <laughs> huh? Okay, go ahead and match up with the family. This part does require moving around the room. You might have to stand up. Oh, look, Amber is the first one up. Look at that. Five dollar bill. <laughs> I'm all about rewarding participation.
Jared asked if you guys should bury these bags in a time capsule. <laughs> All right. So that may have been a little bit of a um, an odd activity. Sometimes these these things sort of seem like a mess. Uh, but the bottom line, I hope that got through, is that we change as people. We change. Um, my example is an extracurricular overachiever in high school. Look, I played soccer. I worked twenty hours a week. I had the lead role in a musical. I was in Art Honor Society. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I was always trying to do too much with not enough time. In high school, that was exactly who I was. Uh, and that's on top of being you know, socially active and sneaking out in the middle of the night and stuff. <laughs> Isn't that an extracurricular activity? So, okay, teenagers don't pay attention. <laughs> in, my, in my 20s, before, um, before I, I met Belinda... You know, I was I was the loner, man. I'd go out. I had a motorcycle. That was my transportation, and I just I'd ditch everybody in a heartbeat. I didn't ask them. They knew me at that time. <laughs> I'll never forget. I I wanted to understand the theory of relativity. Okay, so I went to the library and I found a book. Or actually, no, it was at Barnes and Noble, and it was Common Sense Relativity, and it was basically just explaining Einstein's theory of relativity in in layman's terms. Because look, I'm no physicist. Uh, and I read this book like I was I was deep reading in this book, and I would just at social functions I'd show up, but then I would just go hide in the corner, and read about the theory of relativity. That was who I was, and Mandy used to laugh at me. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Eventually, I grew out of that, and then I became a Christian family man. Now these days, I'm so much focused on raising my kids, being a good husband, you know, and that's my main main focus. So our identities change over time. The roles that we play uh, in society change. And uh, Jared has some great examples. So in high school, he was a baseball player, he, and he was a good baseball player. He was, he was the sort of like pro-prospect kind of baseball player. And so he was a jock through and through. Now he was still a Christian, but his main focus was on, on baseball. Uh, eventually he decided to give his life to ministry, and he went into uh, uh, ministering there at our youth group at the church, and but man, when we would still play, like you know, pick up games of football, he was the ultimate competitor. He was the guy that everybody wanted Jared on the team because if you didn't have him, you were going to lose. I mean, that was it. <laughs> Did you ever lose in those pickup games? It never happened. It, yeah, and so he had, he had this competitive streak, and sometimes he would come off as a jerk. And eventually he grew out of that. And then now today he's, a, he's the pastor we all know and love. The idea is that we change over time, but we retain certain things, don't we? I'm sure, I'm sure the, the older you are in this room, I'm sure you've, you can look at all of the different people you were going back to your early days. And you could say, you know what, I'm still kind of that. You know, I, I may not be the loner I once was, but I'm still pretty deep thinking. Yeah, I may not be, uh, you know, the high schooler that I once was, but I still overachieve in my <laughs> in my spare time. I pack it with too much stuff. I still do that. And uh, Jared, he's still an athlete. He may not be the baseball prospect, 
but he's still an athlete. He's still a competitor. So we all see that even though we're changing, certain aspects of our identity, they stick, don't they? Okay, so let's talk about how this really affects the home. In every home, in every relationship, there are really only two productive relationship activities. Either A, you're peeling back the layers to learn about a person's deeper identity. Or B, you're partnering to add the layers to build up their identity. And those are really the only two productive relationship activities. Everything falls into one of those buckets. If it's productive, it's one of those two things. Now, there are also pointless activities and destructive activities. But even those affect identity, don't they? Everything we do with the people that we love affects who they become and who we become. Right? We are always building, always discovering. All right, so... It's easy to say, okay, I have my wife. Wait, I don't. Where'd she go? She's gone. Okay. She's somewhere. You have my wife, and it's easy to think, okay, my marriage will be all about, for the rest of my life, discovering more and more about who she is. That would, that would be an easy way to think, wouldn't it be? It would be easy to look at my kids and say, ah, I'm a parent. It's my job to build up their identities. But it doesn't really work like that because you have to remember that we are all unfinished, finished projects. Which means our kids, for instance, even though we're responsible for helping them find themselves and become a person, God already finished the definition. He did it before they were even born. They've already been fully defined. And our wife, on the other hand, even though you know she's already, or, or our spouse, because... Uh, I have a wife, but you may have a husband, um, if you're a lady. Thank you. Our spouse, they may seem like a finished product, right? They're an adult. They've been through a lot in life. But ultimately, they're not really a finished product, are they? Because they still have a lot of living to do. And we get to discover along with them who they're going to become in their next phase of life. So with everybody in our home, we need to recognize I'm doing one of two different things. Either I'm peeling back the layers to help them uncover this beautiful definition that God made, or I'm helping put the layers in place to build up the story of their life so that, so that they can point and say, that's who I am. That, we're doing one of those two things. Okay, and then in the end, you know, we kind of become like an everlasting gobstopper, right? We got all these different layers and flavors, and we've been built up over the course of a lifetime, and uh, heaven loves everlasting gobstoppers. We had a, you know, I, our next activity, I was going to have us all like smash everlasting gobstoppers to look at the layers inside. And Belinda's like, that sounds like something for children's church. You know, I'm like, yeah, it does. <laughs> the least of these, right? <laughs> you must become like the least of these. To <laughs> Anyways, I forgot the hammer. So, okay. So you can just have an everlasting gobstopper if you want one. <laughs> Nicole's happy. All right, so let's talk about this. I want to talk about four different things. How do, we un- how do we peel back layers with our spouse? How do we build up layers with our spouse? How do we uncover layers with our kids? How do we build up layers with our kids? Those are the four things I want to talk about, okay? So let's talk about with our spouse first. 
Although marriage is like a lifelong learning experience, uh, you also have the greatest influence in your spouse's life. Do you realize that? Other than themselves, who else is going to have a greater influence in who they become? If, if you're not married, if you don't have a spouse, you certainly have a best friend. So you can think about the person closest to you as this person. You know, Everyone has somebody who is the closest person to them. We have to realize God is the author and the finisher of our faith and, as we're talking about today, our identity. We get some control in the middle. With our spouses, there's this mindset that happens, and if everybody does it, guys, every, everybody does it. It's the mindset of, oh, I can fix them. And we try not to do it, don't we? Because we know it's not right. We, we know, okay, it's not my job to fix them. But at the same time, we're like, yeah, but they can definitely improve, and I'm going to make sure they do. <laughs> right? We, it's so easy. The more you get to know somebody that you get to see their flaws, and, and you want to do something about it, you know? And she's like, I'm going to help them out. I'm being a servant here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help fix them. And that's going to be my contribution to their great identity. <laughs> well, we're doing them a favor, right? We can't think like that, guys. <laughs> it's so hard not to, but we can't think like that. Instead, you need to recognize that you're a side character in their story. You're the most important side character, but you are a side character. And what you can control is not their flaws or things they need to work on. What you can control is how awesome of a side character do they have. That's what you can control. For my wife, I want to make sure that in her life, she had a husband that was the best husband that she ever knew. That's my goal. She knows a lot of husbands around the room. And uh, let me tell you, you guys are all inferior to me because <laughs> that's my prerogative. That's my goal. I'm going to make sure that my wife, that her identity is the woman who had the best husband ever. Okay? Is that, now, it's a good thing she's not in here because she'd be rolling her eyes. <laughs> you guys understand, you get to define how good of a side character. So make sure that you don't give your spouse a messed up side character. Right? Make sure you don't give your, your, okay, I don't want to get, okay, I'll just go there. Let's just go there. Make sure you don't give your husband a nagging wife. Yeah? Make sure you don't give your wife a cheating husband. Don't go there. Control what you can control, which is yourself. And make sure that as you're helping build up those identity layers, right, as your spouse goes through life, that at every phase of life they had a side character that was absolutely awesome that's part that's your part in their identity it's not about fixing flaws it's about adding something valuable okay all right let's talk about the discovering process as a peeling back layers i want you to realize that marriage you know is a lifelong discovering process it really is because as soon as you know the person that you married, something else gets introduced that you didn't know was going to get introduced. 
guys, this is also true back to the singles in the room with, with your best friends and with those closest to you. You think you know somebody, and then something happens. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Yeah? Sometimes we, we find out something about a person that we don't like, and we think, man, that was always there. Maybe it was, or maybe it's something new. But it is a lifelong learning process because we are all changing and because the world has a way of throwing curveballs at us and we have, to, we have to adjust, right? Sometimes I'm dealing with the curveball that my wife doesn't know I'm dealing with and I'm having to make an adjustment and she's wondering why is he changing? It happens. This is marriage. So it's a learning process. But I want you to think about this. Marriage is more than just the human, the human interaction, okay? We're, we, you know, we have a lifelong companion in our spouse, right? And we have romance and we have love and we have someone to mate with and to raise kids with. We have someone that can be our protector when we're weak, right? Somebody that can be a voice of reason when we're crazy. We have all these amazing things that God has, has laced into a healthy marriage, but there's something else. There's something deeper. There's something more spiritual. You have to realize that your spouse is a God creation. A complex, beautiful work of art. And most of the things in this world that God created, we never get to know fully. Right? He has created a, a, a world and a universe that is so complex and meticulously put together, meticulous mark, that was for you, bro, <laughs> that we never get to fully understand basically anything of what he created. I'll, um, oh, I've, I've been watching these Bible Project videos, and they just finished the one on Job. And, and it talks about when Job went to God and was like, I demand an explanation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Whew. And God basically doesn't really give him one, but instead he just takes him on this long journey of talking about how complex the universe is. Basically asking Job, do you know about any of this? You know, and of course Job's like, uh, you the boss. <laughs> you the boss. But here we have our spouse. And this is the person, this is the creation that we can know through and through, all the way from top to bottom. It's the one thing that we're given by God that we can know completely. Do you realize what a privilege that is? We're given an incredible privilege to be able to look deep, 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 deep into a person's identity and to know them 100%. 100%. That's a privilege, and we have to understand that it is a privilege right besides the human things that we get that we get from from marriage there's this spiritual this eternal thing where it's like wow that's my one chance to really see something all the way through if i go to a movie if i go to a movie and it and, and i'm told guys this is an amazing movie it's a masterpiece and i have the only ticket Nobody else will ever get to see this movie all the way through. Do you think I leave early? No. Do you think I fall asleep? No. 
No, my eyes are glued to the screen. I watch it through the end of the credits. I wait to see if maybe there's that little bitty clip at the end of the credits, you know. This is, this is marriage. We're given a one-person one exclusive ticket to get to see this person's identity from beginning to end. We get to discover the parts that, that were made before we got to know them. We get to be a part of the learning as they go all the way through to the end of their life. And then whenever they finally go home to heaven, we can say, man, I knew that person all the way. And I will never know anything else in life more than I knew that person. That's what marriage is supposed to be. And we have to understand it as a privilege. It's not a benefit. It's a privilege. And we should respect it. Okay? All right, so let's talk about our kids. Parenting is paleontology. God created an identity, right? He created an identity in, in the womb of our, well, whatever. If you're, if you're a husband in, in the womb of your spouse, if you're the wife then, in, or mom, then obviously you were right there and, and God was creating something inside of you. And then when our kids are born, it's just a little baby. It's just it's a little bundle of joy. And it's like somewhere wrapped up in all of those little cotton blankets is a lifetime just waiting to unfold. And we get to be a part of those first little unfolding activities. All right? And our kids are going to learn who they are. And, and it's so awesome to get to see them learn. Um, but it's not just about learning who they are. It's about uncovering who they are. Because it's inside of it. It's already built. It's already done. 100% authored by God. Paleontologists are very careful to separate bone from dirt. And do you understand why? It's because they want the perfect representation of whatever it is they're digging up. Right? If it's a brontosaurus, they want it to be the perfect representation of a brontosaurus. If there's a bunch of dirt still stuck on the bone, it's not a perfect representation, is it? Parents are paleontologists. We're uncovering our kids' identities one little bit at a time, and we have to be so careful. Have you ever, like, look, I, I love watching Jurassic Park when they go to the little paleontologist place, and it's all, like, protected, you know. They protect their sites, don't they? They don't just let anybody wander in on a paleontology site. They lock it down. There's a reason for that. They don't want contamination. And as parents, it's our job to lock down the scene so that as we're uncovering our kids' identities and helping them along, we can make sure that there's not a bunch of contamination coming in. We can make sure that we're properly separating the dirt from the bone. We don't want our kids thinking that they're growing up their whole life thinking that they're flawed because we left some dirt on the bone or thinking that they're, that they're incomplete because we forgot to uncover something for them. This is what parenting is. It's, it's not about, I'm going to raise you right. It's about, I'm going to help you find out who you really are. And then I'm going to help you learn to live like that. Okay? That's also a privilege, a responsibility and a privilege. <clears throat> I often think about the way God organizes lineages. Because if he, cre if he created me in my mother's womb, 
He could have just as easily created me in my great-great-great-grandmother's womb. I am who I am, right? He could, and, and I'm part of my parents. But he orchestrated this lineage. And he put us, you know, between our parents and our kids for a reason. And, and we have to understand that, that we have a job to do. Right? We have, and, it, and it's a privilege to do this job but we are expected to do it well. The very first thing I prayed when Nathaniel was born was, God, help me always remember that he is your kid first. If a rich man comes and gives you a bunch of money and says, invest my money wisely, do you spend it foolishly? I, I wouldn't. Your kids are like that. It's God, he's coming, he says, I'm putting an identity here and I expect you to protect it, right? And that's what we, that's what we do as parents. So as we're uncovering, 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 we're also building and building and building. And I, so this is the fourth thing we want to talk about. How do we build with our kids? Look, <clears throat> this is a real quick one. We all see negative things in our kids sometimes, Right? But we have to realize that the plan, the identity, the definition God put in place was a perfect one. It wasn't flawed. It wasn't messed up. It had no negatives. So when we see a negative characteristic in our kids, the problem isn't with the kids or with the definition. It's probably with us. We probably need to reframe things. For instance, I'm sure that Cliff's parents thought he was incredibly stubborn. (laughs) How do you take that and frame it up in a positive way? I say Cliff is strong-willed. They, look, I know Cliff pretty well, and there's one thing you can't get him to do, and that's anything he doesn't want to do. He's strong-willed. And when he, he decides what's right and what's wrong, you're not going to push him toward the wrong if you don't want to go there. That's not stubborn. That's strong-willed. And we need people like that around us. How many of you guys have ever drawn strength from somebody else who had a stronger will than you did? Whoo! <laughs> when you get tempted in life and you want to start walking the wrong direction, it does a world of good to have somebody who is strong-willed nearby and say, you know what? No, that's not right. You don't have to do that. I believe in you. And I, You know, the strong-willed people are pillars. That's not stubborn. If we see our kid behaving in a stubborn, stubborn, stubborn way, there's some coaching that needs to be done. But we cannot look at their identity and think that it's flawed. We have to recognize, oh, God made them strong-willed, and now it's my job to make sure to brush all the dirt off that bone. (laughs) I don't want them thinking that bone is stubborn. I want them to know it's strong-willed, right? My daughter, you know, uh, I've had to correct myself recently about this because I see a lot of myself and my daughter and it scares the bejeebies out of me. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> and I have to correct myself. Uh, I know my own flaws and it scares me when I start seeing my flaws in my daughter. But I have to realize that those are also strengths, Right? Every strength is a double-edged sword. You can use it to cut yourself if you mishandle it. And so I have to, you know, I have to start saying, okay, well, 
you know, I think I wrote down some examples. I could probably find them. You know, Naomi's very outspoken. <laughs> you guys want to hear a funny story we told them? My, my brother shows up for Halloween to take the kids trick-or-treating. So him and Belinda and the kids are walking down the street. I stayed home to pass out the candy. My brother shows up wearing a hot dog costume. <laughs> He's a giant hot dog. And then they're walking down the street, and Naomi, just so outspoken, just doesn't ever hold back. Whoa, that hot dog just farted. <laughs> just so loud, like everyone on the street would have heard it. <laughs> this is Naomi. She doesn't hold back. <laughs> Sons are not rebellious. They are strong-willed. Right? Daughters are not overly picky. Now, this is not Naomi. She's not picky at all. But, but I mean, have you guys known to a son or a daughter who's just overly picky? Nathaniel is overly picky. They refuse to, to eat a food they don't like. They refuse to do an activity they don't want to do or whatever. And it, I have to be careful and I have to realize that's not just a, a flaw in Nathaniel's identity, it's a strength in his identity. Because what it is, is he's, he's not going to settle later in life. Right? He's not going to settle. Furthermore, he's very analytical. And Nathaniel's not going to make bad decisions. He's just not going to do it very often. Drives me nuts sometimes, because I'm ready to get out the door, and he's weighing all the pros and cons of which toy to bring. <laughs> like, dude... Don't grab none of them or grab all of them. Just, we just got to go. But Nathaniel later in life is going to be a person who does not make many wrong decisions. And I have to recognize that strength and help uncover it the proper way. So as we're building layers upon our kids, and, I, and, and, and you know, like I say, we're always building, we're always peeling back. We have to make sure that we frame everything as a strength so we give our kids confidence that they'll need later in life. Um, hmm. That's the way you uncover a God-given identity as opposed to world-given identity. The world will give you a negative identity every time. It'll show you all the things wrong with you. If you give yourself an identity, most often it's a world-given identity. We are highly critical of ourselves, are we not? It's important to go back to God, go back to the people you love, let them pour into you, okay? I love the gobstoppers. We all have favorite flavors, don't we? But do you realize that all of the flavors are very delicious? <laughs> you, I've rated my top five least favorite artificial flavors because I'm just like that. <laughs> Bananas at the top of the list. I can't stand artificial banana. But somebody out there likes artificial banana. It's not you. I can tell. She got the gross look on her face. <laughs> all of the flavors are, are delicious. They're all candy. They're all sugar-coated. This thing is sugar-coated on top of sugar. That's literally what it is. It's just a bunch of sugar-coating. This is, this is a great representation of our God-given identities, right, that are still being coated and coated and coated again as we live every single day, as we go through trials and tribulations, Right? Like Jared said this morning in our pre-service class, we should thank God for all the trials and tribulations. Why? Because it's building character. We're getting more identity. Woohoo! Give me some more. Right? Some more candy on top of my candy. 
<laughs> and we have to look at our kids' identities and our spouse's identities the same way. They're always, it's just more candy. It might be a different flavor. Like, where did this flavor come from? It may not be a flavor that we particularly like. Oh, man, now she's going to be some artificial banana. I'm not all about that. <laughs> but candy is candy, guys. All right. Okay, let's get into our last identity. We're almost done here today. Or I mean our last identity, our last activity. This is an easy one. The hard one was before. Belinda, do you want to conduct this? Okay, if you need any more note cards. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, on your note cards that you have, we're not going to have to get up for this one. Where'd it go? So he was talking about the layers that we have. And the first thing we want to do is for your spouse, write your top three favorite aspects of your spouse's identity. Your top three favorite of your spouse's identity. You can share that amongst each other. And then the next step is one negative aspect in your kid's identity and how you're going to reframe it as a strength. So the first step is top three favorite aspects of your spouse's identity. And the next one is one negative aspect in your kids and how you're going to reframe it as a strength. And if you would like to suck on a gobstopper while you do that, you're more than welcome to come get one. Oh, okay. All right, I have a few closing thoughts. Just, I just want to cram them in there real fast before we release everyone. Um, okay, <clears throat> learning about identities is fun, but you've got to put some rubber to the road. How is this actually useful to the way you run your house? Number one, call out true identities in the people around you. Speak it with your mouth. Speak it out loud. If you know somebody is a certain thing, tell them regularly. Tell them, you are such a strong-willed young man. Or whatever it is. Um, I would say not to include things that are just like hopes. Like, make sure that if you're going to tell them that they are something, you know for sure it's already been uncovered. The idea here isn't just to encourage. It's to bring clarity. It's to bring concrete understanding of this is who I am. Right? Encouragement comes through understanding who you are. So we don't want to just give flattery. Uh, don't don't fill your house with flattery, right? Fill your house with definite, for sure, inarguable comments about who the people are around you. Good things, okay? All right, number two, uh, there's only three of these. Number two, have patience and grace, right? When hard situations come up, take the long view. Understand, this is all a journey, right? People are growing. If someone is exploring a wrong path, Make sure you protect the connection with that person because they may be stuck in a cave later and they're going to need a rope to find their way out and that rope might be your relationship. So anytime somebody's going through a bad place, going through a bad time, making a lot of bad decisions, 
Do everything you can to protect that love connection because they're going to need it to come back out and find out who they really are. All right? Number three, keep your love on. This is an entirely different universe of discussion, but Danny Silk owns it, and he does a fantastic job with it. So I would just simply recommend go get Danny Silk's book, Keep Your Love On. That's the name of the book. It's got a light bulb on the cover. Uh, Listen, love is not trying to like something that you don't actually like. Okay, so if we run into that artificial banana situation where, oh, man, now my spouse is becoming something I'm not really a huge fan of. Love is not trying to like it, even though we don't like it. That's not what love is. First Corinthians 13, 6 says love rejoices in the truth. That means understanding our spouse's true identity and rejoicing in it. All right. It means a lot of other things, but I'm just using it. Okay. So how do, you, how do you handle that? When something comes up, whenever your spouse is going into a certain identity or changing in a way that you don't really like, it's not really your cup of tea. I think any, any married couple who's honest with themselves will say that there is a time in their marriage where they say, I would not have married this person if we were starting over right now. <laughs> That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, she says, he likes country music, he's out. <laughs> How do you handle those situations? Look, love is all about a genuine appreciation. Genuinely appreciating something. Even though it may not be your cup of tea, you can still recognize the greatness in it. And that's what love is. It's seeing the greatness in somebody else. Even though it's not your cup of tea, you can say, man, that is awesome. I don't like country, I don't like country music, but you do, and I love your taste of music. It's not my taste of music, but I love your taste of music. <laughs> right? Are we kind of understanding? Okay. And uh, show that genuine appreciation at all times. That's what it means to keep your love on. Show a genuine appreciation at all times. Keep your love on. Okay, last thing. What about things like this? And these are the winds. I told you before, the winds upon the ocean, they can be powerful. They can create waves that sink ships. The wind is a powerful thing. Arguing over the bathroom. Seems like a small thing, doesn't it? Failing to call her on the way home. Telling your friends about all of his missteps. Ooh, don't do that. Deciding whether or not to spank your kids. Overspending on your account, then it goes negative. These are just typical things that every house deals with. And they mess up the culture, don't they? These are the winds that come through and they mess up the culture that we're trying to create in our household. Not protecting your health for their sake. That's a big one in our society. You realize when you protect your health, you're not doing it for your own good. You, you, that person's going to need you later in life. Deciding she's not worth romance. Speaking furiously over a small issue. Deciding he doesn't get to know your true feelings. Telling yourself, they simply can't meet all my needs. What about all of those things? How does understanding identity help with those? Those are real problems. Those are real problems. And you know what? You don't have to be embarrassed if you've ran into any of those problems or all of them. (laughs) Those and more, I'm telling you, that's just the name of the game. That's what we go through. And all of those things, any one of those things, something as simple as arguing over the bathroom, it has the teeth that could ruin a marriage. So 
use an identity to fix it. How does that work? It's simple, guys. When you get into those situations and you're feeling a real problem in your culture, a real problem in the connection with your spouse, you have to just slow down, realize, I was made in God's image. However unique my identity is, we talked about in the beginning, everyone is different. There's one thing we all have in common, and we are made in the image of our Father. And we run into these problems, all these things, whatever one stuck out to you, ask yourself, is that who I really am? And you're going to realize it's not. It's not. Entertaining those problems and letting them crush your culture, that's not who you are. Right? Everybody, last thing, simply repeat after me. I am a unique individual made in God's image like everyone else in my house. Okay? If you can hold on to that, you're going to be all right. Okay? Thank you guys for coming. If you have any questions, my wife and I are up here to answer them. And uh, have a blessed day.